Lord Jesus, uh, I just praise you and I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the time that we can uh, continue in worship from singing to you, Lord, to listening to your word. And Lord, that we would continue in that worship as we live our lives, um, because that's the way we're supposed to conduct our lives, in worship to you, Lord. Uh, Lord, in, in the ordinary things that we do, Lord, not working as if we were working unto man, but working as if we're working unto the Lord. So, Lord, that we would, we would hear your word, we would do what the book of James says, that we would be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. So, Lord, that we would be responsible with what we hear and that we would take it on and receive it. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So if you guys remember, um, you know, uh, Moses has passed away. He's died. Um, before Moses passed away, he commissioned Joshua. Uh, and, the, and the Lord told him to do that. The Lord said, now commission Joshua in front of all of Israel so that they know that my spirit is upon Joshua. Right? So now Joshua is being spoken to by the Lord. So the Lord comes to Joshua and he says, Moses is dead. Now it's your time. And I was talking about last week where uh, there come points in our lives where we can't go back. The past is done and we need to move forward. And the Lord is saying to us, move forward. I'm with you. Stay with me and I'll stay with you. You know, it was a, a passage that I remember when I was younger, um, I say younger, you know, when I was in my 20s, I remember this passage and it's in Jeremiah. And the passage states, draw close to the Lord and he will draw close to you, right? See, the Lord is, is the initiator of all of this, of all the communion that we have. The Lord initiator, he is the first cause, right? So he started it. It says, while yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for me to come around and say, hey, you know what? I actually need somebody to die for me. No, he did it. It was part of the plan. And when I was still his enemy, he said, I love you and I've made a way for you. It's just up to you now. It's up to you, right? So that's the first thing. But there is this sense in the Lord when he says, listen, I've given you my free gift. Now come and seek me because I'm always standing here. Come and seek me. You know, um, there's, there's something that, I, uh, that I've said to certain people. Like they'll, they'll be like, oh, Dave, you know, we used to hang out, right? And I'm like, you can still find me where I've always been. Still right here, Right? I haven't changed. <laughs> I'm, you know, my friends in New York, Dave, where you at? Still at my house. <laughs> you know, like, you can come see me, you know? Um, life changes. But the one thing, and, and people change. You know, like, all my friends in New York, they, I live in a different house now, right? If they go to my old house in New York, I'm not there. Do you know why? Because I'm here now. I'm in Birmingham. They actually have to get on a flight to come see me now, right? So uh, people change, but the scripture tells us that the Lord never changes. So when we go to seek him, he's exactly where he's always been. 
He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So they're saying, the Lord's like, draw close to me, come to me. So he's like, Joshua, we're going to do something. Stick with me and I'll stick with you. Okay? Because I've said this before, sometimes we turn around in our lives and, oh no, man, I'm not being blessed. What's going on? And when you actually study the situation, you realize it's not the Lord who's moved. It's you. You know, and, and like I've explained it before, as I've heard it explained to me, is God's blessings are like a shower. He's always showering his blessings. And if you realize that the Lord's blessings are not in your life, it means you got out the shower. That's what it means. So get back to where the gift giver is. And remember, don't just do it for the gifts. We're here to love the gift giver. And that's the other thing that happens to us. When we're blessed, man, we become, you know, fixated on the, uh, or like, you know, hypnotized by the gift. And we forget about the one who gave it. Imagine if I gave my child a, a toy and then they totally forgot who I was. And that toy became their everything. And it's like, hey, hey, you know, do you want to eat? And they're like, who are you? <laughs> Um, I'm the one that feeds you. No, no, you don't feed me. The toy feeds me. Oh, okay. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so it, it becomes the same way with us. When the Lord gives us a gift, let's remember to keep our eyes on the gift giver, the one who is good to us. So we track with Joshua. So the Lord tells him, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. We got to move forward. And what we see here is for every directive that he gives Joshua, he also gives him a promise, right? He doesn't just say, Joshua, it's up to you. If you need me, I'll be in my office, all right? No, he says, Joshua, now it's up to you. I'm going to be with you. I'll be standing with you. Joshua, we're going to enter this. We're going to continue this. We're going to complete this. That's what we're going to do, Joshua. You know, if, uh, in, I've, I've been in ministry uh, a long time before I was, you know, senior pastor or whatever. So I've worked alongside a lot of pastors and things like that. And one thing that bothered me about a lot of leadership was they just walk out into the hallway, give their directive, and then shut their door and go back into their office. And then when there's trouble, you never see them walk out. This This goes for lot of management I've worked for. When there's trouble, they don't ever come to help. You can find them in their office hiding behind their desk. <laughs> and you're like, hey, can we get a little help here? And they're like, don't worry about it. It'll just blow over. <laughs> well, it's blowing me down. <laughs> I need a little help here. You know, can we, uh... and they're like, no, I don't worry. About it. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Okay. That's not the Lord. When the Lord says, I will be with you, he means I will be with you. And we have that uh, picture over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You know, when his guys, when they're, they're wrongfully accused or whatever, and they go into prison, I mean, even all the way back to Joshua, it says, and Joshua, uh, not Joshua, to Joseph, it says, Joseph was sent to prison. And then we read right after it, 
and the Lord went with him. That baffles me. He didn't need to go. The Lord's like, you know what, Joseph, you got yourself in trouble, bro. Hey, when you're out in like 10 to 15, look me up, right? No, that's not what the Lord did, or, and then that's not what he said. The Lord went with him to prison. Remember those verses that we read in the book of Isaiah, right? It says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be waiting for you somewhere else, right? On a beach in Tahiti. That's, that's a verse, right? No, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the fire, you will not be burned, right? What's the Lord saying? We're going to see some troubles. Jesus even said it. In this world, you will have many troubles. Hey, anybody, raise your hand if you've lived this life and you've never seen a trouble. Go ahead. Whoever has never seen a trouble in their life, raise your hand. Good. We're all honest about it, right? Because even my three-year-old would raise her hand and say, I've seen many troubles in my day. (laughs) Right? It's part of our human existence, right? And Jesus tells us the truth. In this life, you will have, in this world, you will have many troubles. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. Right? That's what the Lord tells us. I'm going to walk with you in the troubles. Don't worry about it. We're going to knock them out because I will make you into more than conquerors. More than conquerors. And that's what he's saying to Joshua. Let's read. Verse 4, or verse 3, he says, sorry, we'll go to verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. He gives them his first charge. You lead these people. You are going to begin. It's like our Christian walk, right? We, we meet Jesus. Jesus meets us, and we begin the journey. It's like my little brother said, sometimes in this Christian walk, we get it wrong. We think the end game is introducing somebody to Christ. That's only the beginning. You have just entered salvation, truth, and reality. So the Lord is saying, Joshua, you will enter into this endeavor that we will do together, the beginning, right? Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land. I am giving them a charge. Now a promise. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land. I have given you. Not, I'm going to give you. He's saying, I've already said it. It's as good as done. I have said it's yours. It will be yours. Believe me, Joshua. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north. From the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Right? So he says, listen, we aren't just going to enter. We're not just going to lead these people and begin. 
I will help you to maintain, to, to begin the victories, to live this life. And in our Christian walk, when we enter in, we begin, right? But the Lord says, I'm not only going to give you the power to begin, I'm not just going to give you the introduction to salvation, I will give you the power to endure, to continue, to walk, to walk with me, and to live this life with me, right? You will do the work. You won't just enter. You will do the work. What did he, he tell us in the New Testament? Hey, listen, guys, when we come to Christ, he puts the Holy Spirit in us. And sometimes we live this life without using any of the tools the Lord's given us says he's given us every spiritual gift. He gives us gifts that we can use, right? And we never call upon him. We don't say, hey, Lord, I need you. This job is bigger than me. I need all of you to help me. Empower me. Fill me. Refresh me. Like I was talking a couple of weeks ago, baptize me. Flood over me and flood out of me. I need you. Verse 6, he says, I will not fail you or abandon you. And I, I showed last week that we find that in the New Testament, in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, calls upon this verse, and he says, listen, don't hope in money or any of these things that this world puts their hope in. You've got God. He will never leave you nor abandon you. And like I said last week, it's not that, you know, the Lord's like, hey, don't touch money. You know, if you touch money, run, you know, wash your hands quick. That's not what the Lord's saying. But see, we sometimes fall in love with the gift instead of the gift giver. It is the love of money that is the root to all kinds of evil. Why? Because I've placed something else as my idol, as my God, and it's trying to dictate to me what to do. And when it dictates to me what to do, what does money tell me? Get more of me any way you can. Does money have a moral bearing? Like, does money have like the Ten Commandments for me? You know? Or anything like that? Does money, can money tell me how to love my wife or love my children correctly? It is only God that can sit at the top and he has the ability to dictate to me how to properly love people. Right? You know what money tells me? Hey, everybody's got money. Maybe you could take it. Because then you get more of me. Right? But if money is just a thing, like it should be, if it's just a thing, and I'm hoping in God, and I'm hoping in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, hey, money comes, money goes. You know what Solomon told us, one of the richest people that lived on this earth? He says, hey, guys, money sprouts wings and flies away. There have been times where my bank, bank account is full, right? And then you look again, and you're like, hey, didn't I have money in there? <laughs> money sprouts wings and flies away. And yes, I try to do budgeting and accounting and all these things, but money is a finite thing. It runs out. But guess who's infinite? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's always there. He always meets our needs. 
Like I've said, money is a good servant, but a wicked master. Right? So commit in your heart for money to do your bidding, not to do its bidding. Right? And God will not fail you or abandon you. Continue to put your trust in him. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left, then you will be successful in everything you do. Two things there. He says, listen, you're going to enter this endeavor with me. You're going to maintain, and I'm going to help you to finish well, Joshua. Right? I remember my mother speaking to me when I was younger, and, and you guys, those of you that know my mom, man, she loves Jesus. And she will tell you, she is not scared. She will tell you. She doesn't care if you are, you know, a 900-pound gorilla-looking man. She will tell you about Jesus. And she'll tell you with authority. <laughs> and there have been times where my mom is telling somebody about Jesus, especially when we lived in New York, and be like, yo, mom, I can't fight this guy. <laughs> He's big. And, 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 you know, like me and all five of my brothers, we can't take him. Maybe if my sister was here, we could take him. But me and the guys, we, ain't, we don't have it in us, Ma. Just be careful of the way you talk to him. She's, you know, she's the type of lady to walk up and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> you know? And then she starts to tell them the gospel. The message. And, um, and I've seen some people say, you're right, lady. My grandmother told me about that. You know, or, or you know, right there they repent, and you're like, whew, man, I was checking the weapons, you know? <laughs> Seeing if I had the pipe with me, you know? <laughs> no, I'm only playing. Um, yeah. The Lord... You know, the Lord is so good. And he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to your ancestors and I would give you. And that's what my, my mom told me. Listen, she says, I have lived life. David, I have seen people begin well. I've seen people maintain well. But make sure that you continue and you finish well. So that on your last day, at your last breath, you know that you gave, left it all there for Jesus. Like my coaches used to say when you come in, make sure you leave it all on the field. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, right? But what they mean is make sure you have done your best. You have tried your hardest. You have called upon the Lord all you could. And when you meet Jesus, he looks at you and says, you left it all out there. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Right? And that's what the Lord's saying to Joshua. He's saying, Joshua, we're going to start this, 
I'm going to help you to maintain, to, to overcome the enemy. And then Joshua, you're, you're going to give these people their land. You're going to finish well. You're going to finish the job that I sent you to do. And I'm going to be there and I'm going to be the, the dynamo, the, the, the power behind it all. Just lean on me, keep your eyes on me, and I'll take you through. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it. Now, this word meditate isn't like that Eastern mysticism type of meditate that we, we hear so often today. You know, like empty your mind, which doesn't take much work for me. <laughs> I'm always like, I, I actually can't empty my mind. The problem is, is my pillow, a picture of my pillow shows up and I say, hmm, I love my bed. <laughs> Empty your mind. That's not what the Lord's saying. This meditate is like fill your mind with God's word. That's what it's saying. It's actually a word that says uh, to, to kind of mutter it to yourself. You know, if you, I'm guilty of being found in my house muttering to myself. And, and everybody usually knows that when I'm muttering to myself, I'm talking to the Lord. Or I'm talking to myself about God's word, reminding myself in the way that I should live. Because, listen, in your own household or whatever, you have to use self-discipline. You can't have outside discipline coming after you. There are places where nobody could reach you except for you and the Lord. You have to talk to yourself. You have to tell yourself the way to go. And it takes reading that book of instruction, which is the Bible, God's word. And I read that book of instruction and I, can, I don't need to read tons of it. I could read little bits every day and then try to mutter it to myself. And I try to meditate on it and I think about it. It's like this continually, continual um, chewing of God's word. Meditating on it, but like staying on it. Staying on it. And when I tell you guys, oh, I love this Bible verse, it's because it's one of, it's like different Bible verses that I have muttered to myself, right? Like the one in Hebrews that says, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Because sometimes the feeling of being abandoned comes into my heart, right? Or, you know, that feeling that maybe, maybe I'm not saved. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. And then I remember the book of Romans that says, you know what? Neither angel nor demon, height nor depth, nothing to, can take me away from God. Right? That means God's got a firm grip on me. He remembers where he placed me, and I'm always in his hands. So by muttering these things to myself, by reading God's word and meditating on it, 
It helps me as I walk, right? And then you, you remember Ephesians 6 where it says putting on the full armor of God, right? And I put on that helmet of salvation. That helmet of salvation, I have to know I have it to put it on. I have to be confident in that helmet of salvation so that I could put it on in my life and say, well, let me put this on. I'm saved, right? But it takes for me to speak God's word to myself after reading it and remembering it. And it's okay if they find you in your house talking to yourself. That's actually the sign of an intellectual person. <laughs> All right? Don't let, them, don't let them fool you. Now, if you were out there just arguing with yourself at all times, that may be the sign of something else. And I'll come visit you. <laughs> when they take you away. <laughs> so the Lord will help you to begin. The Lord will help you to maintain, to endure. And the Lord will help you to finish well. But you have to stay with him. You've got to be seeking him for him to draw close to you. He made the way to seek him. We need to do it. And we also have that promise in Philippians, Philippians 1.6. I love this verse. It says, And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Right? We have, we have a faithful God that continues the work in us. Sometimes we feel like a hopeless cause to ourselves. Those of us that are, you know, soberly thinking about ourselves, there may be some of us in the room that think, man, I am not a hopeless cause. I'm the best person that has ever walked the earth, you know? And if you have that attitude, you should change that attitude. <laughs> because we all need Jesus. We all need work. In fact, we all need reconstruction. <laughs> he will help you to finish well. The Lord is the one that does the work. He started the work in us. He will complete that work in us. Just continue to seek him. Continue to walk with him. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate, it, meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then... Will you prosper and succeed in all you do, right? So first he tells them in a, a, like a couple verses ahead, he says, you will prosper in everything you do. He's not talking about worldly success all the time, all right? He's talking about success walking with the Lord and doing what he has asked you to do. Now, worldly success or success in other people's eyes can be part of that, right? But we know that sometimes I don't need Jesus for worldly success. All I need is a can-do attitude and an iron heart, and I could be able to do whatever. But let me tell you something about that success. So I can make success myself, but it will, I will probably live to regret that success that I made. Listen, I have sat in in people's homes that are multimillionaires, right? I've actually uh, babysat some of their homes for them. You know, Ferraris, Lamborghinis in the, in the, in the garage, right? I said garage, all right? 
And I've sat there for weeks, and there was, there was emptiness in the home, right? And then you say, hey, what are, you, what are you doing in life? You know, you tell them the gospel, and they're like, nah, I don't really have time for that. I'm trying to make money. Well, seems like you did a good job at that, you know? And then they worry, and they try to keep their money. And, and you know, it's good to keep money. It's good. You know, it helps you to pay the electricity bill, especially the rising ones, you know? <laughs> but then I remember talking to this guy, and, and he had, I mean, like seven, eight cars. Two of them were, were um, you know, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and all these things. And, and he had these cars. And I said, what, what are you up to? Like, what are you looking to do? And he's like, ah, I'm just doing work because he worked like seven days a week. Right. And I said, yeah, but what, what are you looking forward to? What's your hope? He goes, I, I'm going to get rid of one of my cars that he had just gotten two weeks before, and he said, I'm gonna get a new one. And I'm like, that's your hope. <laughs> wow. You know, I didn't tell him to his face, but I was like, that stinks. <laughs> like, I mean, I love cars, but if that's your only hope, wow. Wow. You need Jesus, right? Because what we find is when I've set my eyes on just worldly things, I've set my eyes too low. I'm setting my eyes on things that will disappear. But if I pick up my head and look up to Jesus, I start looking at eternal things. And these worldly things, they're okay. Everybody loves a, a beautiful house, all right? If you're one of those people that are like, I hate beautiful houses, I don't know what's wrong with you. But, you know, like, but if you're like, you know, Everybody likes something nice. Doesn't matter what you're into, you know? You like nice things. But we're setting our sights too low if that's our only hope. Our hope needs to be Jesus. And like I said, it's okay to get nice stuff. It's okay to work hard. In fact, the Lord invites us to work hard. He invites us to be industrious. He invites us to, to work hard unto him. And blessings flow and follow that stuff. But if that's all I got, that's it. I should just quit now and go cry. Because at the top of that ladder, whether it's a corporate ladder or whatever ladder you're trying to climb, if it's not trying to see Jesus, there's, the, there's a top up there and it is empty. And the reason it's empty is because mostly everybody that reach the top, reaches the top there commits suicide because they realize there's nothing there. I need to ask myself if I'm obeying the Lord. I need to ask myself, am I leaning on his strength as I'm doing it for his glory? Right? So I ask myself, am I listening to the Lord, right, when it comes to true success? Am I actually being fueled by him and empowered by him? Or is it a work that I'm doing my own, on my own? Am, or and am I doing it for his glory? Or am I doing it for my glory? Just a little bit. You know, it's like, like me working really hard to teach some lessons so that I get recognized. Hey, guys, I've been at this for a long time. I'm never going to get recognized. It's okay. <laughs> Let's all sob about it. 
I don't care. Man, let's, be, let's glorify Jesus. Let's follow after him. You know, one day, I won't be here. That'll be a good day for me. Maybe not for you, but for me. Because like Paul said, hey, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because it means I'm with Christ, right? So if I pass away before any of you guys, you know, don't wish I came back because I don't want me to come back. (laughs) Continue to look to the Lord and follow after him. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So he has all these promises, right? And, and this is, I'm going to end with this. He, he has all of these promises. The Lord's promises are meant for action, right? They're meant for action, not for going to sleep in them. And resting. God's, God's promises are meant to be boots to go get to work, right? He wasn't telling Joshua these promises so that he puts on his slippers and, and just lays down and doesn't do anything. And we'll see that Joshua was faithful to it. This next part of the chapter that we'll cover next week, Joshua hears what God says and gets to action right away. So God's promises in our lives, like like the Lord loves you or he's with you, aren't promises to put me to sleep. Oh, yes, beautiful. Let me go take a nap. Oh, it's so nice. God loves me. Well, guesswork is complete. And you go to sleep. And I see a lot of people do that. So it's not about sitting back in laziness, kicking up your feet and saying, well, I have God's promises. I'm all good. The Lord's promises are not meant to be a cup of milk or a cup of warm milk before you go to sleep spiritually. The Lord's promises are meant to be a bottle of fresh water to refresh me to keep going in what he's told me to do. And dare I say, God's promises are meant to be a cup of coffee to wake me up and give me the energy to begin, to go. So listen, as the Lord promises that he will be with us, guys, read God's word. He's got lots of promises in there for you. He's got lots of promises in there for you. And we need to believe them and we need to act and live upon them. So he says, you will begin. You will maintain and endure. You will finish well. I promise you this. So let's take those promises, strap up our boots and get to work and do this. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just love you and we praise you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, that we would be those that meditate on your word, mutter it to ourselves. Lord, that we would be faithful, even if it's little bits, every day, Lord, knowing your promises, knowing who you are, and following in them. Lord, that we would wake up and we would follow you and we would seek you with all of our hearts. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.